0: What's the matter, kids? Don't you like clowns? <sighs> Why? Hey, Don't we make you laugh? Aren't we hey, oh, baby! Come and play with us, Danny. Bad luck to kill a seabird. <laughs>
1: Yo, what's up guys? Welcome to the Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks podcast. I'm your host, Trash Mouth, and this week my guest is the one and only Paul Hayden, guitar player and vocalist of the band Restless Spirit. Now before we get into this week's interview, this is my first episode of 2021, so I just want to say Happy New Year, and I hope you guys all enjoyed your New Year's Eve while staying as safe as possible. Me, myself, I just kind of fell asleep early and treated it like any other night. I was already kind of pooped from Christmas and, you know, there's no reason to try to travel or go out with everything going on, so. And I also want to say a huge shout-out to my boy, Mothboy Mike, over at the Mothboys podcast, as today he dropped his first ever children's book called Mothman Learns the ABCs, and it's all about, of course, you guessed it, Mothman, so go check that out. You can find it over at Conjure Dust Design's Etsy page, or you can go find it on Amazon as well. And if you have any extra questions, I'm sure if you hit up the Mothboys page, he's more than willing to answer them, so make sure you go check that out. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and here's the interview. So how's it going, man? Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Hey, dude. How's it going? Thanks for having me.
1: Of course, man. So if you don't mind, just tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, how you and the guys in Restless Spirit came together to form the band. Uh, well, you know, we
0: were all in, like, a bunch of other bands growing up. I was playing in a bunch of, like, hardcore bands at the time, and I was sort of just drifting away from that a little bit, and I wanted to do my own thing. Yeah. You know, because like, I love hardcore, but uh, I-, I sort of got tired of, you know, not playing actual metal yeah and uh you know taking more of my own influences like black sabbath and stuff like that so uh me and mark uh my bass player i've actually known him since literally kindergarten and we had this yeah we had this joke band uh we called the death metal pope just because it was i don't know man like I, i remember i just drew a picture of a pope going under like a steamroller or something like that and for some reason, the name stuck with us. And, and I, I don't know, like, I guess it was sort of like to push back on, like, all the seriousness of everything else going on.
1: Yeah.
0: So we're like, all right, let's just, let's just call this band Death Metal Pope because it's stupid and uh, names don't matter. And so we did that for a while and uh, it was sort of just getting in the way because mm-hmm. people were like, you're not death metal. We're like, we know it's like a joke name, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and we sort of like hit the ground running with that, man. Like we did like 10 tours in the first year without, with having like one EP and just really, really going for it.
1: Hell yeah!
0: And eventually, actually, I think only like a, a year and a half ago, what happened was uh, we would just shorten it to uh DMP. And that was getting in the way too. Cause then people were thinking, I, I would try and book shows. And for some reason people would ask if we were like a crew. Yeah. So I was like, all right um my whole intention for this was to you know say that names don't matter and we could do whatever we want but it's it's clearly getting in the way
1: yeah
0: i know what you so mean. uh so i I'm, I'm really bad at like choosing band names and stuff so i was actually playing uh skyrim and i i saw a quest about like something like a restless spirit or something i was like all right let's just use that <laughs> so uh yeah man it's been going pretty good you know it's 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 much different than playing in hardcore band Yeah, I mean, hardcore, you have, like, all the support in the world. The metal world is very uh, conditional. Yeah. It's strange, too. There's, like, this weird pushback on on Spotify, even. Like, everyone's doing, like, our end-of-the-year Spotify rap stuff. Mm. And uh, it was, like, all their, like, numbers are so great. And then I go and, like, look at ours. I'm like, damn, dude, that, like, sort of sucks. And then you look at our band camp, and the numbers are pretty good. And I was, like, thinking how it goes hand-in-hand with, like, this, like, actually supporting a band and like saying you want to yeah. because the especially like the stoner metal world uh which is sort of what we fall into because we're sort of like you know a little more like doomy me whatnot i have people that will straight up just tell me like we don't want to listen to you on spotify we want to buy your music we, we it's all it's all well and good but at the same time it's like just just listen to us on spotify or something you know <laughs> you want those you want those nice little numbers at the end of the year yeah None but of- uh, yes that's the short end of it
1: Yeah, I'm pretty guilty for that, to be honest, myself, listening to a lot of people on Spotify. But I'm one of those that I try to buy merch. And, uh, you know, I still buy a lot of records. Like, I buy records and stuff. So I definitely support the artists uh, you know, I enjoy and stuff like that.
0: Dude, Sam, I mean, I I use Spotify almost exclusively. And then, you know, I'll buy stuff. But it's just, it's this strange world where there's this whole, like, doom stoner community that exists almost solely on Bandcamp and Facebook that like doesn't translate into the real world and we're we're super thankful for it yeah it's super cool but it's hard to get shows even in that community because a lot of those bands don't even play shows so we'll play shows to like hardcore kids I'm like yo this is cool this sounds like sabbath you know whatever yeah and that that's super awesome but we want to hear bands as you know like so more of our influences and whatnot But lately it's been better because I've seen this shift where, uh, you know, a lot more hardcore guys are sort of, well, doing what we're doing, like branching out and realizing, like, hey, we don't want to just play breakdowns and stuff like that. And like I said, obviously nothing wrong with breakdowns, man. I mean, touring in hardcore bands has been, like, some of the most positive and fun experiences of my life. And those shows it's so supportive. And the community in the hardcore scene is so great. You know, you just don't get that anywhere else honestly
1: yeah it's like you uh you said you kind of get tired of playing the same thing after a while it's not even you know to, to knock the stuff but it's just like these bands you know some of their fans end up hating them because they change their sound but it's like you can't expect people to play the same shit for 30 years you know not saying you know you're probably not even 30 years old i don't know you know your age or anything but i'm saying like you know some of these. uh bands the reason they do change now is because it's like they've already been doing this for 10 years before you even heard of them you know or they've been playing it for at least five years like for instance a band that's completely just because they popped in my head they're not anywhere near the hardcore genre but like fallout boy for instance you know they were like pop punk when they started like real pop punk music and now they're like real pop music and it's like i hate their new stuff and i'm actually a fan of their old stuff but it's one of those things that it's uh like, I don't knock them at all for doing what they did because, you know, you're going to grow. You're going to get tired of writing the same stuff. You're gonna, But I'm sure that if you ask those dudes, they still love regular pop punk and real pop punk music. It's just that's not what they want to do themselves anymore.
0: Yeah, dude. It, it's weird because, you know, people, uh they'll go and try and like classify us. And it, it becomes kind of hard to like fit in with a scene because people be like, Uh, you sound like corrosion of conformity mixed with life of agony mixed with slayer mixed with marauder mixed with black Sabbath. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, what do you want us to do with that? Yeah. You know? So it's like, if you don't fall neatly into a genre, it, it just makes everything a little, a little more difficult, but that's fine because I feel like it's much more rewarding to just do what you want to do. And if people are along for the ride, then cool. If not, whatever, you're just doing it for yourself, man
1: yeah no and i'm right there with you i'm one of those people that i hate comparing a band to another band like using like a band to, to do it because i I always feel like everybody's so unique like even uh even like when you come to like basic you know like uh you know like a lot of metalcore bands that are just kind of like a lot of breakdowns and stuff like that uh you know because there's a, i mean there's some breakdowns in hardcore and stuff but a lot of that stays within i feel like it stays within like the you know they do a lot of like the punky influence stuff you know and the upbeat stuff and it uh, it breaks it up a little bit more, but some of these bands that are like just straight up, you know, like breakdown chorus, breakdown and stuff like that. Even that stuff, like as much as I don't like a lot of it, it's starts to like it. They all set themselves apart from each other in a, in a way, you know, whether it's something that I don't like about it or whether I like about it. It's like, that's why I hate saying like uh, Metallica sounds like Megadeth because they don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they don't sound alike. So if, I mean, you could, I, but I could see where the influence of liking the music would be something like if somebody says, oh, I've never heard of Megadeth, would I like them? And then you're like, do you like Metallica? And it's like, yeah, well, then you probably like Megadeth. But if you don't like Megadeth, it makes sense too, because it is different. It's not the same band. So that's why I always hate like putting a band on another one because somebody might love that other band and end up hating the one that I've you know, referenced or recommended or whatever. So
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's also hard because there's just so much music yeah. these days. So it's like, I guess people want to hear what they're familiar with. And, and that's totally cool. I mean, like, you can t- see the shift in a lot of music. And I, I mean, I would have never thought that metalcore would have been, like, the big thing to come back in, like, I don't know when it started, like, what, like, 2017? Yeah. You know, I remember, like, hearing, like, It Dies Today and, and stuff like that on uh, Headbangers Ball. and be like, oh, that was kind of weird. Yeah. And then it just, and then it went away and then a couple years or like, how about dude, like new metal, like yeah. what is going on right now? Like all these things I thought was completely dead. All of a sudden everybody's into corn. Like <laughs> I remember, I remember being a kid and uh, you know, follow the leader or whatever was, was super popular or, or uh, you know, even like they're not as popular and people won't really admit to liking as much, but like bands like disturbed. Yeah. And so you're, like, 12, 11, 12 years old, and you're super into it. And then I remember being in, like, high school, right? And you're like, yeah, I, I used to listen to Korn, but I, I don't listen to that band anymore, you know? Like, yeah. I'm to- I am only listen to Burzum now. And uh, <laughs> I only listen to Immortal now. And, and then, uh, so, you know, years and years later, everyone's like, dude, Korn is amazing. It's like this weird thing where you don't expect it, but everything has strangely come full circle and you just thought that stuff was just done and it's clearly not
1: no i know exactly what you mean it's almost like uh the hate breed effect kind of like how people felt with hate breed for a while it was like you know hate breed has always been one of the biggest bands and most loved but it was almost like oh if you call hate breed hardcore your poser for like the most for the longest time you know what i mean and it was like why they're hardcore music like what do you mean yeah
0: dude i i feel it i mean it's at one, it's, it's, it's a funny phenomenon, but it's also, it, I don't find it either good or bad. I think it's good that people are just accepting of definitely more types of music these days. And yeah. like I said, that goes along with a, a lot of my friends and like hardcore bands are trying, uh, even in their own bands are trying something different. Like, let's say they'll, they'll use clean vocals now where they wouldn't, or you could hear more like crowbar influences because everyone knows yeah. they're heavy as fuck, you know. So it, it's it's definitely a weird but awesome time for music, and uh, I, I'm just it's really exciting, you know. So I'm really curious where things are going to go moving forward. With all of that said, like once this metalcore or like new metal fascination dies down, like what's next, you know? You have bands like you have bands like Vane, which are just completely out there, yeah, and just completely taking it to the next the next level so it, it's really cool and like i said this is all commenting from um more or less like an outside perspective because i don't really listen to much like that like i'm still like every single day i'm still like listening black sabbath i love the obsessed you know even stuff like down more you know like straight up like metal yeah less less hardcore influences in my own daily listening yeah um and uh so it's just cool man i'm really excited
1: Hell yeah. And you guys, uh, speaking of like what's going on with music now, you guys released clarity back in what? January, I believe. Are you you guys working on a new album or, uh, are you just hoping to kind of get back out there and put that in front of people once this COVID shit's over with? So, yeah,
0: I I mean, it was kind of weird. We, we did our first proper full length, uh, Lord of the new depression. I think we released it, uh, July, 2019. Mm -hmm. And, we were kind of just like burnt out at that point. Like I said, like we started out just like touring like crazy, and uh, not really doing any big tours. Like everything was super, super DIY. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, not so much burnt out from touring per se, but burnt out from everyday life. Yeah. And uh, the album came out, and then a bunch of different circumstances happened. Like I, I moved and had like a big life shift and uh I was actually ready to start you know all right let's start booking stuff let's go for uh like summer 2020 because we had planned to almost sort of just like take it a little easy after that yeah and then yeah man I mean like COVID happened and for a while I was thinking like should we just wait it out to like record new music should we not release anything right now because it felt like every like I think uh Carcass even pushed back the release date of their newest EP or album or something like that. A lot of bands were were pushing things back because of COVID. Yeah. Because they couldn't tour on it, which is fine. And, uh, but, you know, I don't know. Things are just different now where bands are still, they're realizing like, hey, we still need music. Like everyone wants to hear some new stuff. And you have, uh, you know, like Fuming Mouth just came out with like a phenomenal EP. Like they're not waiting, you know? So yeah. A lot of bands are just like, screw it. There's no point. We don't know when life's going to go back to normal. Yeah. So to answer your question, all I'm really doing right now, like we're demoing some stuff out. It's sort it's definitely a slower process because I'm I'm just more getting back into the groove of things. Hmm. Uh, everything just became so weird during COVID, man. It, it was almost like you, you write music and you want to play music, but you also want to play it live. So there's this whole thing like, should we just take this as like a breather to sort of just step back and just be a fan of music for a little while? Yeah. You know, that, that's how I was looking at it because if you're touring and you're playing in a band, it's hard to be as much as just a fan and just a listener. Mm. So I sort of took this experience to take a step back and almost do like a a forced hiatus. And uh, so right now, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess we'll push clarity a little bit. Actually that was more, like, we released it as a single, but that was really just because we recorded too much for Lord of the New Depression. Yeah. And it ended up being like 60-something minutes. And I was like, dude, no one has the attention span for something like that. Yeah. So it was sort of like like a like a grace note on that album where we could release something half a year later. And it's like, oh, here's a new release. And everyone's like, oh, okay, cool. You're still working on stuff. But really, it's, it's just leftovers that didn't really uh, seem to fit. Going forward, I mean, uh, our new stuff is, it's definitely a lot different. Out of boredom, I, I started writing, like, I never really consider ourselves like a heavy band or anything. Mm. But uh, out, out of boredom, I, I just started experimenting. I was like, well, what if we were, like, heavy? <laughs> yeah. Instead of just, like, more, like, rock influenced. So the demos, I'm pretty excited on them, actually. It's one of those things, like, it's, it's been a long time since I could just, like, you know, I don't
1: know if you're in a band or anything. But uh, I, I played back in the day, but uh, I'm not in anything currently.
0: So, like back in the day, you know, like you you'd like write a demo or something, mm. and sometimes you make something, and you're just like, "All right, this is what it's going to sound like when it's like finished." It's whatever. And you don't really do much with it. But I'm back in the zone where it's like we're we're really trying to do something cool and something different. and yeah. I find myself like listening to these demos and just getting like super amped up, and it's been like probably like three or four years since I could say that you know so it's it's almost like this whole COVID was like obviously this sounds terrible because it's not a blessing for a lot of people but for my own life almost a blessing in disguise to just be able to take a step back become a fan again become a listener again and get excited about some new stuff you know
1: yeah no it's definitely left uh even though it you know of course COVID sucks but like you said, it's, it has been a blessing for a lot of people's creativity and just giving them time to actually like dive into it and, you know, sit with them, you know, cause that was one thing is a lot of times, you know, you would want to do something, but then all these things will come up. It's like when there's nothing to come up, all you have is, you know, time to sit and create music and stuff like that. So that's awesome yeah,
0: though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even like, you know, I don't know, I used to be in a band called Detriment, my brother James, mm. and it was great. Like it was awesome. I, I loved it. That was like the hardcore band I was touring in for a bit, but you know it would just get in the way not sort of get in the way but it was hard to focus on like two things at once and for me because i get so involved yeah and like i give it like my absolute like all my thoughts like you know like most creative people i just find it harder to multitask so having absolutely nothing Mm. like no bands to tour with no bands to play with because of covid you know it really was like a it sort of, it takes you out of the rat race, you know, there are no tour opportunities. There's no like, Oh, I have to be away for this amount for X, Y, and Z. I could just step back and just like chill, you know? Yeah.
1: Hell yeah. And to kind of uh, segue a little bit into horror movies, you guys linked up with uh, gold city video to be a part of the season of the glitch, a uh, short film. Do you mind telling me a little bit about that? You know, like how you guys became a part of that. And you know, if you want to kind of tell the people what that is, cause I thought it was awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that was super cool and super exciting because, like I said, we've we really just been taking a step back, man. Like, I haven't done anything besides, like, making demos. Yeah. You know, you know, like, every band is sort of, like, making moves behind the scenes and preparing for the next step. And I, I just straight up haven't been doing anything yeah. besides, you know, working on the music. And uh, my friend Beecher, who I think, I think Gold City Video is just him, maybe, like, uh, another couple of guys. But uh, I've known him. He's been a big fan since we were, you know, just DMP. I think we, we played a show years ago when we were on tour with Rhythm of Fear in, like, the middle of nowhere, Fayetteville. <laughs> Dude, I'm not kidding. Are you from North Carolina? You're from down south, right?
1: Yeah, I'm from North Carolina. I'm, from, uh, uh, I'm a few hours away from uh, the dudes from Gold City Video because I was talking to them the other day, a couple hours uh, north of them.
0: Okay, so we played Drunk Horse Pub. Remember that place?
1: Yeah, I've actually I've been there before. I think I actually played there, but it was for like ten people. It was like a <laughs> shit show when I played. <laughs> all right, so we played
0: Drunk Horse Pub, and the promoter completely dropped the ball. Sounds right. It was it was this weird situation where it was like the show should not have been happening straight up. Like the promoter just completely screwed everything. Uh, yeah. All the other bands seemed to drop off. I think one stayed on, and it was like us and Rhythm of Fear and. We were like, whatever. It's sort of on the way to our next destination. We may as well mm. just like go out and play. So we played, and uh, dude, straight up, like three or four people were there from whatever. Maybe maybe like ten, but yeah. from my memory, it was like no one. But uh, this kid, Beecher, his band uh, played with us, and he he just became like a massive, massive fan. Like I, I super appreciated this kid. He's one of my like great. Made his friends. He got like a DMP tattoo on the back of his neck. Well, Restless spirit, sorry. Yeah, um, so yeah, he's like super hardcore into us, and uh, so he's doing like this this Gold City stuff for a while, just like this VHS trading. I guess like a pop up shop, something like that. Mm. And he was like, "Yo, guys, uh, I want to use your songs in this little like promo video that I'm doing." We're like, "Okay, cool. Like, sounds good." I thought it was gonna be like a little teaser, just like you know, like an Instagram clip. And then he's like, all right, it's done. Here, check it out. And he sends me this Dropbox link. And I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. This is amazing, man. Like, I'm a huge fan of Halloween 3. Yeah, same. Uh, I And it's also, it's awesome that that movie is finally getting the credit it deserves. Yeah. Because I remember back in the day growing up, I mean, I've been into horror movies since I was like, you know, 10 years old. Mm. And uh, which definitely too young for a lot of the stuff I was watching, but everyone would always shit on that movie because there was no Michael Myers. Yeah. Which I, I guess I it Cool. You could have called it something else, but it is what it is. And for what it is, it's awesome. Yeah. And just did this amazing tribute, dude. It was well acted. The cinematography was amazing. I feel like our songs fit perfectly with what he was doing. Yeah. It was perfectly mixed. Like the sound design was awesome. So it was like this situation where one of our friends and fans just wanted to include us in this really creative, awesome project, and all we did was say, "Sure," <laughs> you yeah. know. Like, so it, it was it was super cool, man. He's he, I think uh, he worked on it with this guy, Trent, mm-hmm. right? Trent Tom's. Holy crap, man! I, I couldn't believe how good it came out. Yeah. I, I'm sure, like, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it it looks super pro, like, super legit. Because yeah, mostly was... when, like, yeah, when, like, DIY bands get involved with, like, other, like, artists and stuff, it's, like, you don't always expect, and this isn't to knock anyone, but DIY is, like, you don't have big budgets. Yeah. But to be able to do something like that with a small, independent, like, I don't know how many people must have worked on that video, like, two, three, four, yeah. max? that that's amazing
1: yeah and it had the quality of you know like like any movie really like i mean of course you wouldn't put it up there with like it with the fucking blockbuster money but it has the quality of like uh, i don't know if you've seen that newer movie alone that just came out not the zombie one but the the like stalker one
0: no i haven't seen that
1: uh, i highly recommend that that's actually really good but it's got like you know like that's a lower level horror movie that you know was made probably with like a couple hundred thousand dollar budget at least and you know to me the season of the glitch short had just as good a quality, if not better, you know, as that I loved the short. It's probably, uh, I watched a lot of horror shorts this year and it's definitely in my top three. My top three are sitting all together. I I couldn't put them in order, but uh, if that one, and then if you haven't seen buck was uh, I highly recommend that on YouTube, it's a short film as well.
0: Yeah. I'll check that out, man. But yeah, exactly. And sort of, the thing that excited me about it is the same thing that excites me about a lot of movies, especially from like the 80s, and, uh, which I'm super big fan of, or even like the 70s. Yeah. Indie movies or any, any situation where people don't really have the means to do something, you know, they don't have big budget funding, they just have human ingenuity and like a desire to make something cool Yeah, is what attracts me and has what always attracted me to horror. Like for example, uh, Evil Dead. You know mm-hmm. that that's an indie movie, man. Like yeah. through and through, that's an indie movie. Wes Craven, for the most part of his career, was an indie director. Even John Carpenter, Halloween. You know. Yeah, Craven's like, first
1: uh, big three was pretty much all indie. The Last House spanned uh, Hills Have Eyes.
0: Yeah, you don't you don't think about it because they became such legends, but those are indie movies.
1: Yeah,
0: and. uh that, that is what really attracts me to them. When you see, like, how did they do that special effect back when, like, practicals were really the big thing? Like, how did, how did they get this whole crew to come together with all this talent and, and no money? Yeah. And just, like, go for it. And that's sort of what I've been all about. I mean, in a way, that, that's also what attracts me to hardcore. You know, just the a whole DIY mentality. Yeah. And just going for it.
1: And it's like some of these franchises almost create like a family of people that like really give a shit. Like uh, Evil Dead, you know, Bruce Campbell, you had Ted and Sam Raimi, you had, uh, you know, Dan Hicks came in in the second one. But I believe he was a stuntman in the first one, if I'm not mistaken. But so you had like a whole little family crew on that. And then you go to Phantasm, you have Reggie, you have Don Coscarelli, you have A. Michael Baldwin, you know. So there's like these horror movies in the... Uh, or, to speak on another one, you know, you go to one of the biggest ones and you have Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where people were literally throwing up to get this film made because they were in this house full of rotting meat. It's like in the 90 degree weather in the middle of Texas. And they were willing to do it just to get this little indie horror movie made. So now I know exactly what you mean. It's the same thing that goes for hardcore bands and stuff. They play those little, like you said, 10 people shows in the middle of nowhere, Raleigh, uh, drunk or wherever the Drunk Horse Pub is in North Carolina. And You know, it's stuff like that, that it's all a part of the grind. You know what I mean? It's like when you love the shit, you do that shit because it's part of it, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. And especially a lot of these people that came out of what my favorite, let's say, uh, people in the the horror industry, the most talented, which I feel a lot of them came from just doing indie stuff that exploded like uh, K&B, you know, like Greg Nicotero and whatnot. And uh, dude, he's at the head of The Walking Dead now. And, and K&B is all over. If you watch the credits, because I'm, like, crazy about credits. Yeah. If you watch the credits for so many movies in the 80s and in even, like, early 2000s, and now, can and b is all over that. Greg yeah. Nicotero is all over everything. And he started, and that team just started as dudes who wanted to, they they had a weird, sick fascination with making gore and special effects. Tom Savini also. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't need to really tell you how amazing he is. Uh, anyone who knows horror knows how amazing yeah. and influential that guy is. Uh, same thing, you know, got started working just small, low-budget films, and now he's the master.
1: Yeah, well, and to speak on uh, people like, you know, of their, you know, I guess of their caliber, I don't know what it would be, the, uh, of their department. There you go. Speaking of people of their department, uh, just like Rob Boutine, he was just literally on Rick Baker's team and then like Rick Baker handed the howling off to him, if I'm not mistaken. And then he goes on to do the thing. And next oh, thing oh, the you know, thing, man! Holy crap! Yeah, he becomes one of the biggest people ever, and he was literally just part of one of the other biggest people's teams. You know what I mean? So it just shows that. Um, which I think we'll get one of these coming up soon because the way Tom Savini works with a ton of people nowadays, I think in the next 15 years we'll start talking about one of his students. You know what I mean? The way we talk about For uh, sure. Rob Boutine and stuff like that. So.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, and, and you know, you get a, you get a, uh, the big names like that, but even in the eighties, man, they're practical effects, which I'm a complete sucker for. And I'm sure, dude, that's yeah. such a dumb statement though, <laughs> because you know, like everyone will tell you how cool practical effects are. Yeah. Um, but there, there are so many people that were just in it because they, they, for whatever reason, they liked it. Like, uh, I feel there's one, there's, uh, one artist who's very underrated, Screaming Mad George.
1: Yes, I was hoping you would say him from Dude uh, society, and society and all that. Society,
0: man. Yeah, like every time, like he did Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. Hell
1: yeah. And it,
0: I don't know what this what this guy's deal is with like weird ass creepy bugs and like body stuff, but he's sick. <laughs> yeah. He's straight up sick. And uh, super underrated guy. No one really uh, talks about his work much these days. And it's sort of like th- that's really getting into, I feel, more niche territory. Yeah. You know, so everybody loves and, – and I'm not being one of those guys that's like, oh, everybody likes it. But, you know, everybody knows Halloween.
1: Yeah.
0: Once you get more into the genre and you start exploring all uh, the different, like, subsets, like, oh, what's body horror? Uh, and then you're going to go to, like, The Fly or uh, any, any Cronenberg – and then you'll probably stumble across society and you will be shocked. I don't yeah. care who you are. You will be shocked. That ass face part is one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in my entire life, dude. Were you we looking at Butthead or something? That was yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like, who do you call him, Butthead? Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, no fucking way. What is going on right now? Yeah. And, and, and like, that's also really sad to me how cgi it's it's almost become a necessary uh necessity and i get it but there's there's it's just not the same these days yeah there's just and i know it sounds weird because honestly a lot of the times if it's done well you can't really tell yeah like for example a lot of people will like let's say like a a good use of it would be like shooting something during the daytime and really using like cgi lighting effects to change the sky and the surrounding and actually make it convincing like oh this is a night shot yeah but then you get stuff where it's like harder to fake and it you know like it let's use that for example you know like you could tell the whole time when pennywise was cgi yeah and not for nothing i thought i thought that was a good movie I liked it for what it was. It was a popcorn big budget horror movie. You know, it's just if we're going to see CGI, I'd rather it be good. Yeah. Because I don't think we're ever really going to go back to the days of pure pure practical effects.
1: Yeah. Now that uh like that Paul Bunyan scene in It Chapter 2 like really was kind of cringeworthy with the CGI. <laughs> like Yeah,
0: was- for sure. There 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 are a bunch of moments and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to be in a couple of years, but uh, like, obviously, so I prefer practical effects and puppetry and whatnot, but sometimes it's hard to defend. Yeah. Uh, for example, completely not horror, but um, so the have you been watching The Mandalorian?
1: No, I actually haven't. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm like a Star Wars fan as far as like I watch the movies when they come out, but I'm not one of those people that like I watch like the shows and stuff like that. I've been planning to, I just haven't actually watched it yet.
0: Dude, make some time and do it because it's amazing. I like it better than anything Star Wars has put out in the past 10 years. Yeah, I've heard but, great things, but yeah, it, it's amazing, and the effects are great. Uh, there's a lot of amazing practical effects, but like the example I'm trying to make is that there's one scene where you know baby Yoda she's playing with this little baby like frog creature mm-hmm. and it's in a little bowl. I think it's like episode like four, season two. And it's, it's clearly just like a rubber, you know, someone made like a rubber frog yeah. and, and they were just moving along with like either like a piece of metal underneath a bowl or a piece of string. And it wasn't CGI. It was practical. It dude, it looks so beyond fake <laughs> and it, it wasn't CGI. So it was yeah. practical. So uh, it's almost like this weird thing where it's like, I prefer that. And I know this is only like a small little nitpick, but it, it just looked so ridiculous. But at the same time, like, I just choose to accept it because it's practical. It's not done with computers. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's a very weird thing where it's like, when are we going to stop caring? If ever, you know?
1: Yeah. No, and it's like to go all out on the makeup of all these characters and stuff like that. But then when it comes to something like you, you couldn't create a little bit more realistic looking frog, like I know exactly what you mean. But.
0: Well, yeah, you, most people aren't going to be looking at like or analyzing and scrutinizing every single little thing. I just love effects. I, I like movie making is. I know it sounds corny, but it's straight up magic, dude. No,
1: like, I, I, but I'm right there with you. It just it does suck though to think about the fact that, for instance, a movie like Bride of Reanimator that is just batshit insane special or you know practical effects the entire time we'll never get something like that again ever and if they ever even did something that batshit crazy of a story they'd probably just shove it full of cgi so
0: yeah or or like they'll try and enhance it like uh so like the the prequel i think what was it in 2011 the prequel to the thing yeah studio adi and, and uh it's actually interesting. I don't know if you've ever really looked into this because a lot of people just shrugged the movie off. Um, Studio ADI, who worked on it, had said the, the entire idea was to be completely practical. Yeah. And, dude, they did such good work. Like, you look at, like, the original, like, concept art and, like, all their, uh, like, original mock-ups and stuff like that. And then it was just neutered in CGI
1: After Effects. Yeah, because
0: for whatever reason the studio thought it would enhance it or uh, uh what was that movie i'm, I'm blanking on it
1: Well, speak on the thing real quick i actually mentioned that that to somebody in a uh not recent like too recent of a podcast episode but i was talking to one of the guests and i was telling them that uh you can actually go on youtube and find some of the scenes before they threw this like cgi all over top of the shit and they like it sucks because they really spent time and effort into creating those creatures and effects so, whoever made the final decision to just plaster CGI all over them, it's either because when they filmed the film, they didn't film it with the right type of shit. So, they ended up like ruining their own, you know, special effects by making it look fake that way. Or whoever came in in the final thing and said to spruce it up more and more just is a fucking idiot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's one of those things like, you know, sometimes it's like, well, what are you going to do? It is yeah. what it is. But in a movie, like, if you're going to make a follow up, or I guess a prequel to The Thing, it's like, dude, you can't. Yeah. Like, that That movie is so effective because of Rob botine's work on it. It You you just can't, you know? You want to say what you will about, like, Pennywise and the new It movie, whatever. The, the first TV miniseries was never known for its groundbreaking special effects. Yeah. But, you know, the thing, like, the whole thing with the effects, man, you can't mess with it, like... It's just sad. But yeah, if you go on YouTube, uh, Studio ADI does have a lot of really cool behind the scenes stuff. A lot of really cool stuff for any like uh, makeup or special effects nerd. But it's- and actually on Instagram too, on Instagram too, they have a lot of really cool uh, behind the scenes stuff. That's definitely a page worth following. And uh, I'm, f- I'm blanking on his name. out. Al- Man, the head head of Studio ADI, whatever it is, look it (laughs) up. He has a really cool Instagram page that I definitely recommend because it's awesome behind-the-scenes stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. And I know exactly what you mean, though. It's like if you were to remake an American Werewolf in London, one of the biggest parts of that movie is the transformation. So as soon as you take that and say, oh, we're going to do it CGI, you immediately alienate about half of the fan base that's like, fuck that. We don't want that. We want what was good about the original to stay the same. If you're going to make a movie better – better the stuff that needs to be made better not the stuff that was great about it to begin with
0: dude yeah it's you know like guitar nerds like me
1: and uh
0: movie nerds like us we're a strange bunch i i talk about this all the time like we're so resistant to change like uh, dude i am a tube amp snob you know it just is what it is
1: yeah
0: you can do amazing stuff with modeling amps and, you know, like, digital stuff. And I, I, I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, give me what I've been using forever. I don't care if it's an improvement. To, to In my stubborn brain, I need, you know, tube amps and resistors and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's – horror fans are the same way. Like, we're a weird, fickle bunch. We don't like change straight yep. up. It's, it, it's, maybe it's, like, a comfort thing. Maybe it's a snobbish thing. I don't. I never really stopped to analyze it, but it it's definitely bizarre, because most people won't be like that. You know, you watch like let's say a Star Wars movie, and it's like no one really cares that much. There's like special special uh, CGI added, you know? Yeah. Because like, sure, like, but like then again, someone like you or I, if you go back and watch the original trilogy you're going to be amazed at the, like what they were able to do without computers.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I have seen some star Wars guys be really pissed off and say like, fuck George Lucas's newest cut of some, there's one movie that they like hate his newest cut of. Cause he yeah. added a bunch of shit. So I'm like, there's some stuff star Wars fans do definitely dive in like uh horror fans do, but I get what you're saying. It's all, it's all like, it's funny how particular these groups are. Like they don't care about the graphic parts. They yeah. Just don't want you to take it and like, add in all these scenes that make no sense and shit like that
0: well yeah so that's sort of that's a little different from what i was saying
1: because that i
0: that i do under i do understand when he re-released the special editions um that literally changed the original movie and added extra cgi yeah uh and it just looked weird you know like why why are you adding cgi to a movie that was made 30 years ago yeah. I guess I'm trying to say, you know, like the the newer ones when it comes out, like no one's really looking for like I hope this is practical. You just ex- yeah. expect it from from a huge big budget movie, you expect CGI and you're not really going to be mad. And uh but also, you know, it's a pleasant surprise when you go in and you see like a newer horror movie and you're like, "Oh shit. They really they really did that. Like that's actual those are practical effects." Yeah. And a lot of indie movies, you'll see that in but the big budget stuff they don't really care which i get it and you know it's also i kind of feel bad about it because there are a lot of really talented people working in cgi like those people have a lot of talent yeah so it's like we sit here bashing it but at the same time i don't really care
1: (laughs) yeah no i'm right there with you like my problem is like we we're bashing it but we're not really bashing the people that are killing it like there's good people out there doing it just like there's people bad people out there doing practical effects but there's really bad cgi and that's the people that deserve this bastion <laughs> because like uh yeah. fr- there's this movie and i cannot remember the name of the movie but it was uh it's a it was one of these like kind of teen horror movies that came out and it was on netflix so i checked it out it was about the girl taking pictures of people and if she took a picture of them they would get captured in it and end up getting killed by a ghost because oh uh, it. was it polaroid i think so I think so. It actually ended up being decent of uh, like a decent story, but yeah. the CGI in the movie ruined, like there's a scene in the movie where somebody takes the, the picture of the person and rips it in half and the person rips in half. And I was like, that's cool as shit. There wasn't a drop of blood in the fucking in the kill. I'm like, how does a person rip in half and there's yeah. not blood at all. So I'm like, that's where CGI fails. It's like, you could have had it. Like if you wanted to do that CGI, that's cool but at least make it like what it's supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I I definitely agree. And it's also like so many movies from the 80s, man, will get a pass because it's like you could see what they were going for at the time. They just didn't have the technology. Yeah. Like pretty much any slasher, dude. The plot, they they all almost really badly suck. Yeah. But let's – have you ever seen The Mutilator?
1: Yes, uh, a.k.a. Fall Break, right? (laughs) Fall Break, yeah, (laughs) yeah, dude.
0: That is one of the nastiest, like just meanest
1: slashes I feel. When yeah. with
0: the fish hook scene, man, are you kidding me? Come on, that is disgusting.
1: Even the intro is just hard to watch, like a kid shooting his mom with a shotgun. <laughs>
0: yeah, and you know, like that movie, man, like first of all, half of it feels like a a sitcom. Yeah. The half feels like an out-of-place comedy. And then you just have these these crazy, like, horror gore scenes sprinkled in. And nothing about the movie works, um, but at the same time, it does because it's bizarre and it's not really that great. And the effects are awesome. Yeah, you know, so it's like this weird dichotomy where it's we give things this pass because it just looked cool, and for the time being,
1: it was like that's awesome.
0: <laughs> How'd yeah. you do? That, you know, uh, same so, thing
1: with uh, pieces. Pieces, dude, hell yeah. yeah. Like, that movie, for the first 15 minutes, is literally just gory scenes that make no fucking sense. Like, it's the kid yeah. getting busted with the magazine, chopping his mom up, and that stuff kind of all is like, a little, okay, well, this is going to, like, lead into something. The next thing you know, it's this chick literally rollerblading into, like, a fucking sheet of mirror, and then it cuts from that into a girl, like, getting randomly sawed out of the bushes. It's like, there's nothing really going on with people dying in the first, like, 20 minutes of that movie for no reason.
0: Yeah, or what about, like, you know, the burning
1: Yeah, The Burning is one of the only ones that I would say actually has, like, a decent storyline around it as far as, like, there's a guy that was wronged and then he comes back for revenge. But, like, you said, it's just so mean-hearted in between, like, oh, they're bullying the one kid that's interested in girls, but he's also kind of being a little pervert the whole fucking time. Oh,
0: dude, yeah. Honestly, that movie sort of...
1: I get, like, kind of,
0: like, creep vibe. Like, I watched it recently with my girlfriend, and I was almost like, damn, dude, I don't remember this movie being, like, so, like... (laughs) like uh, just like mean
1: <laughs> okay, that one dude once they get out on the raft is being like a complete dickhead to like all the girls and sh- I can't remember what dude it is but one of like the leader guys yeah like- and that's
0: the thing you're, you're never going to remember their names because yeah. they don't
1: matter Their characters don't matter yeah. but
0: uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say though is like Cropsy's face dude like if you look at it like it really it doesn't look believable yeah but it's practical and it was like okay for the time being that's great We'll yeah. give it a pass, and the effects are cool. Like blood, like when the dude's uh, hands get like his fingers get cut off, you know, when he's on the raft. Yeah, and the blood just like shooting out. It's like that looks cool, you know. Yeah, that so is awesome. It, yeah, so I guess it's a good movie. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> no, but, but
0: then but, you know, but I, it's not all. It's definitely not all about uh, the practical effects. There definitely were some really great movies from the seventies and eighties. Obviously,
1: yeah. No, but that's like, uh, I don't know. I think that's one thing, though, that horror fans are willing to accept is like uh, while every horror fan will say, oh, I love The Burning. If somebody said, is it a good movie? Oh, fuck no, it's not a good movie. <laughs> so it's, yeah. like, it's like we all know it's not good, but we know that that's like it's fun and we know what we're getting ourselves into ahead of time. So it's not like, uh, you know, to, to where like an uh, action movie, if it comes out and it falls flat, you just forget about it. Like people don't ever talk about it. There's nothing redeeming. You know there's no kills in the movie i mean there might be you might have a movie where somebody's like oh that movie sucked but the fights in it were pretty sweet but other than that like it's going to eventually fall away but these movies always like stick around because of certain things like you always remember the cropsy legend and you always remember the raft massacre and uh you know with like sleepaway camp you always remember the dick you know <laughs> yeah uh, so like and then like even crazy ass movies like blood beat you know it's a fucking ghost samurai like how do you forget stuff like
0: that yeah you know horror fans are a weird bunch and it's like we've been keeping this genre alive you know it's completely dependent on you know people like us who are going to go and talk about it on a podcast and show our friends and like i still collect vhs tapes yeah and i'm obviously not the only one like gold city video does the same thing there's a huge vhs trading group yeah, like all over the world. And it's this really cool community thing where it's like, you know, and honestly, though, like, I've seen a huge boom in, in people that are interested in what we're interested in, like, really niche things. Yeah. Uh, and it almost seems not niche now because, like, you and I, we could talk about the burning all day. And pretty much any of our friends will talk about the burning. And then uh, you go to like a random person who's just like more like casual into like movies or they're not super into horror. And they're like, I've never heard of that. Yeah. And in our world, we're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking
1: about? No, I know exactly what you mean. I could go in a horror group and list 10 movies and everybody know them, but I could literally walk out into my living room with my family and say, say the names of the same 10 movies. And they'll be like, never heard of them. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Like, what are you talking about? And And that's fine too, you know, because it's like, it, it almost becomes this thing where it's like you, you know, once again, sort of corny, but something that I really do love about uh, horror and, you know, people that are passionate about it is the community of have created. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most horror fans are, you know, we almost agree on most of the same things. Yeah, Like the quality of a lot of these movies, you don't get a lot of, weird hot takes that you get in like other communities
1: yeah no and the, uh and like one of the best things is this like you said it that kind of mixes the two is it's always awesome when you find that other horror fan or that other hardcore fan you're like you know when you walk by somebody in a store and they actually have a shirt on that's not it's not the conjuring it's uh terror vision and you're like dude fucking sweet shirt it's just like seeing somebody with like a fucking municipal waist shirt on or you know uh you know like you said down like a band like down you know that's a van that's big but most people don't wear their shirts unless they really like them. So it's, it's cool when you actually see somebody that you're like, not even see somebody when you just start talking to somebody and they're like, Oh, have you seen, like, I used to work with this guy. And he was like, yeah, I watch a lot of horror movies and stuff. And I, at first I was like, this dude watches bird box. Like that's the horror movies he's talking about. You know what I mean? Like what's in front of him. And then as we got to talking, he was like, yeah, I've seen reanimator. I've seen, Uh, Return of the Living Dead, you know, he had seen everything and then he was willing to watch everything. And I was like, I was like, fuck, yeah. So of course, I had to talk his ear off about it. So no, I know exactly what you mean. It's so awesome when you find somebody with that connection. It's almost like, like a group of Templars or something like that. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, uh, you know, so on that point, you know, I I knew this dude, uh, I used to work at a nursing home in the kitchen. And uh, there's this one really quiet dude. And he really, dude, he he didn't talk at all. He was, like, the quietest guy in the world. And uh, I don't know how it came up, but one day I actually got him to speak. And he was talking about horror movies. And he was telling me about uh, Braindead, you know, the Peter Jackson movie. And oh, yeah. uh, he, like, lent me the DVD. And that was the first time I saw it. And we just became, like, great friends. And, like, we'd always, like, bring up, like, what we were excited about and stuff we were interested in. He never talked to anyone else, you know, like he was yeah. the quietest dude. And and that's, you know, that's why we got to get rid of, like, gatekeepers because the bigger anything gets, um, the more people are going to almost be, like, turned away from, like, elitists and people are like, oh, you, you've not seen this obscure movie from the 80s that three other people have seen? What's wrong with you? Yeah. You know, like, fuck that, dude.
1: Yeah, which I'm always quick to admit when I haven't seen something because – the way like i tell a lot of people uh i didn't get into horror until i was like 12 or 13 because i was actually like really scared of it and then even then it was like uh when i went to the rental store i'd already looked at all the movies growing up you know like looking at the horror section i was just scared of them so when it came time for me to rent them i was looking at new releases so i was renting like the ring and i was renting wrong turn and i was renting renting uh the grudge and shit so it was everything that was coming out then you know like even shitty movies like white noise and boogeyman it was literally what was coming out when I was getting into horror. So I didn't start watching eighties and seventies horror until literally probably five or six years ago. But I mean, I've, you know, I love them just like somebody who's been watching them since they were, you know, of course you're going to have a nostalgic feel. If you've been watching these movies literally since the eighties, but I definitely love these movies and have the same respect for them as anybody. So that's why I never try to let anybody feel like, I try to never let anybody feel stupid for not seeing something. And I try to never, let anybody make me feel that way either, you know, even though they, you know, some people will try, but
0: yeah, dude, people get it. But I sort of get that vibe from you. And it's cool though that, like, you know, when you talk to someone that's like super open about it and that, you know, they're yeah. not just one of those like, you know, you, you call them like, well, actually people.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which I hit people yeah. than actually every now and then, but it's literally just because I want to like give, I like, if somebody tells, says information and they like have like half of it, I'll try to give them, like, I like to give the rest of it, but
0: sure because it's like interesting and you really like you want to spread you know what you love about it to other people yeah but you know you also at the same time you don't want to be you don't want it to be like diluted uh so i i get that what about like recently what have you seen that's been like interesting to you because i feel like this year has been super strange man like obviously with covid uh really it feels like i was doing my like my year end list, and i was like thinking like what what has really come out this year that's like blown my mind
1: yeah i've actually got my top five still want to watch a few movies to see if they bump my number five out but uh my top five right now in the year is underwater i don't know if you've seen that that's
0: dude i heard that was cool is that kristen stewart
1: yeah i was actually surprised by that one that was when somebody told me that they started watching and fell asleep on and uh so I was like, okay, well, it must not have been that good. But then I heard that it was very, like, H.P. Lovecraftish in a way, which it's not, yeah. re- it's not really, but it kind of is. So uh, I really enjoyed that one. My number four would probably be... Shit, what was my number four? Uh, uh, my number four is The Invisible Man because I liked it, but there's I have some problems with it, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, from
0: a big-budget production this year, though, I definitely think that movie exceeded my expectations.
1: Yeah. No, my only problems with it is uh, the fact that security cameras were such a big deal of the whole movie, but for some reason they never cared to look at the security camera where their sister gets her throat cut. That, like, really bugged yeah. me. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. didn't see a floating knife slit her throat. but And then the, yeah. that part, and then the only other part that bugged me was the cops literally just fucking standing there every time holding the gun. Like, he's just fucking them up because he was invisible, but they were all seeing him flicker and not a single one got trigger hat. Like, I understand it's, like, they're not supposed to pull the trigger in the middle of a hallway, but all these cops, not one of them is going to fucking pull the trigger. <laughs> like, it was just... Yeah. It was a little, like, uh, loose there, but, like, stuff was convenient at parts. You know what I mean? Like, they conveniently left out the camera, and then they conveniently... Yeah. But you other You definitely have
0: that, to suspend your disbelief with a, with a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. But that's why it's uh, my number four. But my number three would be uh, that movie Alone that I was talking about. That's really good. Mm-hmm. It's, like, uh, it's pretty much about this chick whose husband dies and she's moving across country and st- well, she's trying to move like across country. And this guy like randomly is being a dick to her on the road. It's kind of like, uh, like he kind of does like a road rage incident, but they don't like get out of the car or anything they just drive off. But then he's just keeps popping up places and like trying to talk to her and stuff like that more happens, but I don't want to like ruin anything, but it's really good. And then um, my number two would be the wretched. Have you seen the wretched yet?
0: Dude? Yes. I'm so happy you brought that up.
1: Yeah, the wretched is was my number one on the year until I saw my number one. So,
0: I love that. I was so surprised about that movie. It was just like one of those, like no, almost nostalgic. Like it reminded me of like a, a movie that you know could have happened, you know, like twenty years ago. Something like it was just a good, fun time.
1: Yeah, it had like a pump, not like the like hokeyness of a pumpkin head, but like the lore of a pumpkin head type, like early '90s movie stuff like that yeah dude amazing amazing movie yeah my only gripe with that whole movie is i wish they would have had like a more solid score throughout i feel like there was times where the score felt like it was doing something different than other times you know yeah i i I feel that i feel that 100 percent. like if it would have just had a straight up 80s like sci-fi style score or like not sci-fi but like carpenter style you know or something yeah. that was even a little bit more um, menacing. Obviously, anything but new metal. I love new metal on its own, but I hate it in <laughs> horror movies. Yeah, dude, that that that's that's
0: a great way to date a movie. Yeah.
1: You know,
0: like uh, what was that? Ghost Ship, Mudvayne. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: yeah. Or fucking uh, what's that one movie with uh, Ray Wise? Uh, have you ever seen Dead End? I think is what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're just driving in the car and like half like out of nowhere, they'll just randomly show them driving and play like some techno like static x mix of something, something. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh and then my favorite movie of the year is possessor the brandon cronenberg movie
0: dude i just saw that very awesome
1: yeah that shit blew me away very like, awesome it didn't like blow me away as far as like it was more than i was expecting but it blew me in a, a in this like the sense of how everything worked and how clean it was and i love one of those movies that like some people will hate on it and be like oh none of this will ever happen but I like those movies where you have to like put yourself entirely in the movies world. Like, like their mythology is not our mythology. You know what I mean? So even though the te- even though it's all supposed to be technology and, s- you know, semi-realistic and just like a futuristic feel, it's obviously not real. You can't put yourself in somebody else's mind. You know what I mean? So. Yeah.
0: It, it, the simplest way that I would explain it is that everything just worked. Yeah. You know, everything 100%. just clicked perfectly in that movie.
1: Yeah, and that's one I'd, I would like to break down, obviously, like, on a whole episode or something one time. But uh, one thing I'm going to be doing in the future next year is I'll be starting a Patreon, and hopefully my bonus episodes will be guests returning and, like, picking a movie and we'll actually, like, dive into, like, a certain movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's sick. So, so that's some of my favorites on the, you know, for the year and stuff. But do you have a favorite of all time, if you don't mind me asking? I'm, you know, I usually ask uh, that earlier on, but we've been kind of just chatting. So
0: Yeah, favorite of all time. Dude, that is a tough one.
1: Or even a few that kind of just, you know, you always go back and forth with. Because with me, I have like a top three, but my one and two go back and forth.
0: Yeah. uh, So I I would definitely have to just throw a bunch at you. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say there is just something very serene and also horrifying about Black Christmas. The original? Yeah. Hell yeah. I love Um, the original Black Christmas. Dude, it's so good. It's another movie where it just works, man. Yeah. Like, it just works for the time being. Great, great movie. I, I, I can't recommend that movie enough. It's just the whole atmosphere is like, that movie rules, dude.
1: Yeah, and a great cast, too. John Saxon, Margot uh, Kidder, yeah. Olivia Hussey. Just...
0: Dude, yeah, great, great movie. I would say Evil Dead,
1: yeah. the original, obviously. Hell yeah. I'm one of the few that actually like Evil Dead 1 more than Evil Dead 2 myself. Is that what you're saying, that you like Evil Dead 1? Yeah, well, yeah. you know, for
0: many years, I thought that I preferred the second one. Yeah. Uh, but I, I finally had to come to the conclusion. I, I always thought Evil Dead 2 was a superior movie. But uh, I, I watched that movie so often, I just always returned to the both of them. Yeah. And I just had to finally come to the conclusion that the first one I feel is just better. I enjoy watching it more.
1: Yeah, the second one is definitely, like, a funnier and funner, like, movie. But the first one, to me, is scarier and, like, a better made – like, it's actually scary still, the first one to me. Like, because it's so low budget, just some of it still feels and looks very real. Like, it almost feels like you're watching somebody's, uh, you know, like, camera roll from the 70s, you know, at, at times. Of course, you know, they're all acting and shit like that. But, you yeah, know, they're standing there, like, looking the dead eye, and she's just screaming at them and stuff like that. Like, uh yeah. she comes through the window. Like, some of those scenes are still, like – pretty fucking crazy and that's from people that watch you know or from a person that watches horror movies you know quite often i still get a little creeped out by it
0: yeah for sure and then uh i would also probably have to go with halloween um, oh yeah you just once again you can't mess with the the atmosphere of those three movies yeah they're, cla- they're classics for a reason you know they're obviously in like not the most underground not going for you know like you know, big brain horror nerd points with, with these choices. But, uh, you know, there's a reason all of three of those movies are so influential and you, you can't deny any of those.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. Now, I enjoy all three of those for sure. I mean, of course, most horror fans do, you know, at least enjoy them. But uh, Halloween is one of those that I always forget how much I watched as a kid until I start to like think back. I'm like, oh shit, I actually did watch. Like, because I watched some of the original slashers as a kid because, like I said, I was scared of them. But some of those earlier slashers, it's like once you watched it once, you could watch it over and over again. So it's like once I got past the first time watching Halloween, I was like, okay, well, now every Halloween I'm going to watch Halloween because I know it's not going to scare me again. So yeah. it's like I watched like a handful of the main ones and then like watched them every Halloween until I actually broke the you know cycle. So, of course, I had seen like Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, uh, Pumpkinhead and stuff like that growing up, you know, like the It movies. But, but Halloween is one that I – definitely find myself revisiting more than i would ever expect to as an older you know now that i'm older because i didn't have that connection with it like it's one that i throw on on shutter probably like at least once every couple months so
0: yeah and it's definitely one of those things where i'm basing this purely on uh you know like you said things that you return to and you return to it for a reason um because there are a lot of other great movies that i could say oh that's my favorite movie that's my favorite movie but it's like is it really my favorite movie if I haven't watched it 50 times? You know.
1: Yeah. I know that's why I tell people Scream is my favorite horror movie. I'm not ashamed of it at all and I watch that shit literally monthly. Like
0: Yo, dude, honestly, I was just talking about this like I a couple couple weeks ago. That movie got parodied so hard. Yeah. That it got it gets a bad rap and it shouldn't. It is absolutely genius. It's one of those things where it's like it was so good And so influential, but also so easy to make jokes from because it, you know, for whatever reason, there are just so many quotable lines or the the character of Ghostface, but it's absolutely genius. And anyone that's like listening to this that hasn't seen it or has only seen it like once when they were like five, go back and watch that movie and I will put money on it. Like you will agree that it is an awesome, awesome movie.
1: Yeah, not to piss anybody off, but to be honest, like the Candyman sequels were kind of killing the slashers on genre until Wes Craven came. Because if I'm not mistaken, Candyman came out in like '92. It was great, but that was like the last good slasher before Scream in '96. And I think Candyman two and three came out like in '94 and '96, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe a little bit further down, but uh, those were to- pretty terrible movies. <laughs> so they were Dude, like
0: they're, they're like unwatchable. And the original is is so. Dude, his voice, man, scares yeah. the shit
1: out of me. There's just not enough of him in the sequels, I feel like. Like, the second one is literally about everybody but Candyman, except for when they're showing yeah. him, like, become Candyman, of course. But yeah. and then even that's phoned in in the second one. It's like somebody literally telling the story. But, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, those sequels were awful. I feel like they were part of what was taken down, you know, those sequels and then the Child's Play sequels were starting to get a little iffy, which... They started to. That was when they really started to get like iffy, and because like Child's Play three, I think, was coming out about that time. You know, you were towards the end of the good. Uh, there definitely wasn't any more good nightmares coming out of that time, because by that time you were hitting like Freddy's dead and shit like that. So, dude, I,
0: like the six, the six Nightmare on Elm Street is absolutely unwatchable.
1: Yeah, so I mean, that that movie has such a that
0: franchise has such a bad track record.
1: Yeah, if it wasn't for Scream in '96 you know we would never I don't think we would get you know I know what you did last summer urban legend and those aren't great but they're slashers that were way better than anything else trying to do a slasher movie around that time you know other than scream of course but so I think it's it was nice to see them come in and do something refreshing because it started like a new boost of slashers that did something different but like we took it pretty much everybody was like all right we're no longer at camp all the fucking time we can slash people other places so
0: it was nice yeah i I definitely i definitely agree with you there
1: yeah but uh you know i mentioned some movies that i enjoyed this year did you see one that stood out that i didn't mention by chance
0: i think it was this year i mean correct me if i'm wrong but uh the color out of space
1: yeah i think it was like uh february like i think it was super early but
0: yeah super early this year i mean i love mandy yeah everybody loved mandy Colorado Space, it did not get as much attention, which I completely understand because Mandy was just completely out there. Yeah. But that, that movie, there are a bunch of disturbing scenes and, you know, anything HP Lovecraft or, you know, uh, super like cosmic horror, I, I'm very much into. And then, dude, I always mess the name of this movie up. I think I even talked about it or like I mentioned it in your Instagram, but I think The Mortuary Collection.
1: Yeah. I think that's what it's called. The
0: Mortuary tail something like that that movie was awesome dude <laughs>
1: like no that's, one no that's one to was watch. talking
0: about that movie yeah dude it's awesome it's like it's it's an anthology but it's like they go some places where you're like what just happened yeah like i, I can't even really talk about it because the, i don't want to spoil anything and there let's just say that there's this one movie in that collection where you're like they're not going to go there yeah you know like that's Is what's happening really what I think is happening? And it is. You know, you got to check it out, dude. It's really good.
1: Hell yeah. Now that movie, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, and then that new movie, Anything for Jackson, they're like the three movies that I want to watch before like completely picking my top five because Anything for Jackson is like a brand new Shutter movie. And it got like, it's got like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I hate Rotten Tomatoes. But when they give it something a great score, you kind of like, you kind of want to like give it a shot. So like they get Snow
0: Hollow, by the way. Yeah. amazing. Amazing.
1: Yeah, I've heard good things about that Amazing. too. So that one's on my list to watch. The Mortuary Tales or Collection. I'm with you. I know it's one or the other. It's either Tales or Collection, but not sure which yeah. one. And then, um, of course, that other one.
0: Snow so- Hollow, it's another movie. It, it just works. And it works on many other levels besides just being a horror movie. Like every, It's just a good movie outside of being
1: R. Hell yeah. Plus, it's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's like super indie, like the director is the main actor and all that stuff. So that's always fun to you know watch and, and yep. you when know, that works out well so but um, yeah so we're going to uh, I got a few hypothetical questions for you and I'll let you go so uh, my first question for you is if somebody came to you and said hey we want to make a future music video for Restless Spirit and we want to make a short film version of one of your favorite horror movies you know as a remake with you guys uh, what horror movie would you choose to remake and how would you do it for a music video
0: oh that's a good question it's totally been done before many times over but <laughs> you know I would have to go with uh, Evil Dead, obviously. Hell yeah. Um, Just because there are the most possibilities for making that a fun one. You know, you get those awesome, like, zooming shots through the woods and, uh, you know, the Deadites, how, you know, any character could just be turned into this weird zombie thing. Yeah. I, I definitely think there's so many fun possibilities you could do with that whole that uh, cinematic universe you know yeah like, had, like a um,
1: call and response vocal part you could always do like where you're yelling at yourself through the mirror and shit like that or
0: yeah no, that's a good idea i like that one yeah
1: i would see i wouldn't have
0: thought about that that's really that's really good uh so yeah definitely that one but you know it's been done before i've seen it a couple times before i think uh first time i saw it was uh you remember this band called strapping young lad
1: yeah, I've heard yeah, of so them, but the I've never Love, really listened to them, but I've heard
0: The Love music video is totally an Evil Dead rip. Oh, so I? Check I would out. check out. Yeah, I, w- I would check that out. It's pretty cool.
1: Hell yeah. And uh, kind of the same question, but with the guitar, you know, if somebody came up to you and they're like, hey, you know, I'm a huge fan and I want to, you know, customize you an instrument, but I know you're a horror movie fan, you know, how do you want the instrument customized? Uh, how would you, like, what guitar would you get? Like, how would you get your guitar customized? You know, like, was what horror movie? It doesn't have to be playable. It could be, like, just a wall piece if you want to go, like, completely batshit with it, you know?
0: I would say, and I don't know how this would work, but it would have to be
1: an SG, because
0: I'm an SG fanatic.
1: Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And make it work. I don't know how you do this, but make it work with the creature of the black lagoon.
1: Yeah, that would be pretty sick. Kind of just do, like, a, <laughs> maybe even, like, a, something similar to, like, what Kirk Hammett does with, like, the skin of the, like, movie poster. Yeah. Or even just yeah. like, make the guitar all like green and gild. Like
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I mean I, I'm am a super I'm obsessed with the creature from Black Lagoon dude. Yeah. Like absolutely obsessed. Every time like I see any piece of merchandise with that with the gill man on it, yeah. um, I have a portrait of it on my arm, like I am totally obsessed. I think the iconography of especially a lot of those old universal horror movies or a lot of my favorites. I mean, there's not much to talk about at, these days uh, with those movies. Cause it's all been done to death, but anything universal I'm a sucker for, especially the creature, man.
1: Hell yeah. No, that would be sick. I think it'd be cool to do like a, like do the SG with like a black pick guard and, but the rest of it be painted like the texture of a skin, you know what I mean? With like gills going throughout it and like that kind of bright green, you know, like obviously not, you know, the thirties version or the twenties version isn't as bright, you know, as that, but Uh, you know, like what you would imagine today or when you see like a modernized movie poster version, like that kind of bright green, you know? And then uh, like just like the classic logo on the headstock, that shit would be pretty sweet. The like creature.
0: (laughs) That'd be bad. I want to get that made, dude. That'd be (laughs) awesome.
1: And it's realistic. Like you can play it at every show as long as you're not worried about, you know, like somebody fucking up the custom paint and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Why not?
1: Yeah. So uh, my final question, well, actually, I got two more questions. My bad. My second to last question for you is, if you could ever compose a horror movie, now I know you have like, you know, music in the short film, and I know that Gold City told me he's working on something. So but if you could actually score like a horror movie where you actually got to like create the score for it, would you ever want to do something like that? And if so, like what kind of subgenre would you uh like to try with?
0: Dude, I would love to do that. Um I do a lot, I, I don't even release it, but I have like scores and scores and not scores isn't that, I mean uh the number wise <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> of just instrumental music that I like making. And uh, I like, uh, you know, finding what you could do with, especially like acoustic guitars. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it, it's very underrated instrument to be used in a movie. Um, for instance, I would say, you know, uh, you are play like Diablo or something like that.
1: No, I was actually um, gonna say- A lot say, of that uh, music is heavily acoustic guitar. I was gonna say 28 Days Later is very heavily acoustic though. I don't know if you've seen that. That's yeah, oh really
0: good. yeah. Amazingly. Um, yeah. So I, I would say uh, something along those lines. And then, uh, you know, like we were talking about before, with like uh, the Wretched, you would want something like synth based. Yeah. So to create like a, a, a cool little uh, fusion between those two things, like two complete polar opposites, I think would either sound really awesome or really shitty, but unique. And either way, I'm down with it.
1: Now that would be pretty sick. I, I can see exactly what you mean. Uh, it would Like it would be awesome to kind of have like something being picked out that can easily fade into like the synth playing the same thing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, like, yeah.
1: Like it's almost like a soft, eerie, like picked out, like folky sounding thing. But then as the horror actually starts to come in, it like picks up into like a synth thing playing the same thing. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but.
0: No, yeah, you get it. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. You get it.
1: Hell yeah but now that'd be sick as fucking. I think that would be like the type of movie I would want to do is like a movie that creates its own lore, but feels folktaleish ish in a way like a modern folktale kind of like the wretched, you know, it's like something original, but also like everybody would enjoy. I feel like. Yeah. I'm down with that. Oh yeah. So my final question for you is, do you have any horror stories of your own and they could be from, you know, just something scary as shit that happened to you from either being on tour or just home or even something that you felt was paranormal happened to you?
0: sure um so this isn't paranormal it's just weird and horrifying yeah. a long time ago i was still living with like uh my brothers and stuff uh in stony brook new york and it's like dude it i live in the most like i was i grew up in, like one of the most like privileged areas in the country dude straight up like i don't know how my parents made it work yeah because we were we were like lower middle class and uh we lived in a super super expensive area we were we were like the only kids that were, like, renting their houses and, like, always moving. Yeah. But so I lived in this house, and my mom uh, would go before, like, her and my stepdad were, like, married. She would uh, go stay with him on the weekends. So it was just me and my brother's home. Mm-hmm. And uh, one night I was on the phone at the end of my driveway, and uh, I'm just, like, talking because, I don't know, I guess, like, my brothers were, like, hanging out inside and, and being loud. And it was, like it was, like, 1230 at night. Yeah. And we lived in a super, super quiet area. And all of a sudden I hear these footsteps like coming behind me, like from like down the street while I'm at the edge of my driveway. And I turn around and this is like July or August. And I shit, you not, there's this dude, he's got a ski mask on, he's got a vest, he's got gloves. And for some reason, I, I thought it was really weird. He had uh, like iPod headphones in his ears like you could see it like yeah yeah like sticking from below his mask yeah and and dude i seriously like i'm not making this up he just points at me and he goes get the fuck inside and i was like you know my first instinct is to just turn to him and go who the fuck are you like what the fuck man like you know getting confrontational and uh stepping towards him yeah, and he's like pointing with his finger, and he goes, "I said get the fuck inside." So at this point, I'm like, "All right." So I run, and I, I go to get into my front door. Of course, like a horror movie, the front door is locked. My brother's locked it. Oh I guess the, dude, the dude is walking up my driveway now, still like finger outstretched, like pointing at me. I said, "Get the fuck inside." You want to fuck with me? I, dude, I run as fast as I can. Like I don't know how I made it so quickly into the back door of my house. Like I had to run through the front, through the side, open the fence, and slam the door shut. And I looked outside. My heart was racing. I locked the door. I I I told my brother, I was like, hey, guys, like lock the fucking doors. I don't know why I told him to lock the fucking doors cuz they are already locked. Yeah. But uh I looked outside my front window and there was nobody there. I called the cops. The cops were like are you like drunk? Are you high? Like we've never heard of something like this happening in this area. Yeah, this is like you know like super like rich person area. Never found out who it was, what was going on, or why he wanted like what he was doing. Yeah, but that's that's the only story. I that's the scariest thing that ever happened to me, man. Like it was like holy shit, like
1: <laughs> yeah, holy fuck. He's gonna hear this podcast and come for you, man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I'd like I maybe I'd like him to because I'd like to know like. What, what the, the fuck f- was going on? Dude, I was like tw- I was like 21. I I didn't I know I didn't do anything. Yeah. So I don't know what he was trying to do or why he was there. The only thing I could think of was maybe this dude was like trying to like rob a house down the street and I was just in the road like fucking up his plans or something. Yeah, or uh that's the only thing that I could think of honestly. He was on drugs or some shit. <laughs> like yeah, he man. Dropped his ass off. <laughs> he w- he was a big guy too. I mean like like a big fucking guy. That was just it was horrifying, man. It's straight up it straight up felt like it was something out of like a horror
1: movie. Yeah. And it, like you said it's like you want to get confrontational, but when somebody's hiding their face, you kind of think twice about that shit. You're like they're hiding their face for a reason.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't believe like in that moment I like tried to step to him. Like I don't know what the hell I was thinking.
1: Yeah, now, like I said, I probably would have started to do the same thing and then been like, ah, this motherfucker's a little crazy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I didn't know I could run that fast. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> Hell yeah. Now, I appreciate you sharing, man. And uh, if you don't mind, just remind people, you know, like where to find the band and, you know, the music and stuff like that.
0: All right. Yeah, uh, definitely check us out. Um, it's Restless Spirit. Uh, you could find us. We're on Bandcamp. We're on Spotify. You know, all those socials. I think it's Restless Spirit NY, one word. And, uh, yeah, just hit us up. Check it out. Lord of the New Depression, most recent full length, and uh, have some new stuff coming eventually. Just working on it. So stay tuned, I guess.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing and coming on, man.
0: Yeah, dude. It was a pleasure. Had a lot of fun. Of course, man.
1: Now, as usual, I just want to say thanks again for listening, and make sure you check back next week, as my guest is going to be the one and only John Cook, Guitar player for the band's Napalm Death, Venomous Concept, and Corrupt Moral Altar. This is only my second guest, I believe, from across the pond, so I'm pretty excited about it. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So make sure you check back next week for that. Go check out my boy Mothboy Mike's new children's book, Mothman Learns the ABCs. You know, I always gotta say I check out my boy Loudmouth Threads, who do this amazing original podcast artwork, and stay safe.